This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, July 28th. I'm Matt Hoish. And I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, county examines new housing program for employees. Rodeo races into town. Into the unknown zone. And a mountain weather forecast. San Miguel County is considering subsidizing a large chunk of some home purchases for county employees. The approach is inspired by a similar program run by Pitkin County, which gives employees up to either $400,000 or 40% of the purchase price for a free market home, whichever is lower. In exchange, the county places a deed restriction on the home and has the option to purchase it back from the employee in the future. What's interesting about this is it's not a loan. It's sort of you are, it's a way to leverage money, whether that's the employee's money or the county's money to buy down deed restrictions, to purchase free market housing stock and put a deed restriction on it. That's Assistant County Manager James Van Hoosier explaining the Pitkin County program to the Board of County Commissioners this week. County Manager Mike Bordonia adds that he envisions an employee looking to sell the home would have to offer it to other county employees before selling it to someone outside the county organization. So essentially we would have kind of a, a realty pool that at least county employees are getting first stab at. Like other regional organizations, housing employees is also an issue for the county, which already owns housing it rents to employees. Van Hoosier explains it also offers down payment assistance to employees who are first-time homebuyers, but... No employees have taken advantage of that program in the last year. There has been interest in previous years. I believe we had three last year and three the year before. Van Hoosier acknowledges a program like Pitkin's isn't a panacea. Rather, it's another piece in the housing puzzle. Mike and I are trying to are spending money right now to purchase existing housing stock that becomes de facto deed restricted. And if this is another tool to leverage some of those dollars and not have to the county that we can get something for $250,000 of county money rather than a million dollars of county money, then I would agree that it's Mm -hmm. worth pursuing. Commissioner Hillary Cooper was not at this week's meeting, but Commissioners Chris Holstrom and Lance Waring are on board to develop a local version of the program. Here's Waring and Holstrom. Worth a try. Personally, every avenue that we have to us, I feel like, should be explored. But Commissioner Waring is weary of using this sort of a program to acquire homes that are already deed-restricted, even if it involves tightening the deed-restriction. For instance, he isn't on board placing price caps on homes that are already deed-restricted, but don't have caps, such as in Lawson Hill. The BOCC, he notes, has recently objected to businesses purchasing already deed-restricted units. I'm not as comfortable giving government special privileges, even though we're all in this together, and I understand the reason we're trying to price cap things and retroactively. Still, the commissioners are okay hammering out the details of a program similar to Pitkin's in San Miguel County. They are also interested in expanding their other programs for county employee housing, including increasing the down payment assistance and expanding the assistance beyond first-time homebuyers. No final decisions were made at this week's work session, but the commissioners directed Van Hoosier to bring back more specific proposals. 
It's time to kick up your boots, get your cheering on, and if you're brave, test your limits as a cowboy. The San Miguel Basin Rodeo is here. We'll have bull riding, barrel racing, team roping, saddle bronc riding, all the good stuff. That's Jordan Williams, committee chair of the San Miguel Basin Rodeo and member of the Norwood Roping Club. And then we've also got um, some amazing local events uh, like mutton busting, wild steer dragging, And then we've got some really cool special acts. Um, We've got some trick riders coming in from the Cheyenne Frontier Days Rodeo. And we've got an after party uh, with Sean Moon Band uh, Saturday night. The rodeo kicks off this weekend in Norwood. If you ask Williams, it's a full family affair. I always tell people, like, you can bring your boss. You can bring your wife, you can bring your family, a date, you know, the kids. You can bring everyone and everyone. There's something for everyone, whether it's mutton busting or sick horse races for the kids or, you know, you want to go out and share a beer and have a good night. You know, whatever it is, there's something for everyone and it's so entertaining. A long-standing San Miguel tradition, the rodeo is in its 117th year. It will feature all the greatest hits, events for time. So the fastest you can uh, run the barrels, the fastest you can rope and tie a cow, the fastest you know that you can team rope or steer wrestle. So that's a timed event. The fastest time wins, and the contestant wins money. And rough stock. So that's your saddle bronc your bareback riding, and your bull riding. And those are when contestants compete basically in in sync with the animal that they're riding, and they get judged on points. And the highest points, uh, that contestant wins. Plus a favorite of Williams and Norwood's special, the wild steer dragging. We wanted, you know, kind of the audience to, to get involved. And if they wanted to, you know, be a cowboy for the night, then they could enter a team. And it's a team they put together, you pay a little money to enter, and then these wild steers are let out into the arena. And you have to track down your steer and drag it back over the finish line, and whoever drags it back first wins. But it is hilarious. It's the crowd favorite. I mean, people go wild. You've got 60 people just hauling ass down the arena trying to, you know, catch their wild steer, and it's it's a hoot. While the events, especially rough stock, may seem like a test of will and maybe a touch of crazy, William says they're actually team events. These cowboys, when, when they're riding a, you know, a wild bronc, they they want the biggest bucker. They want the, the wildest one in the group because that's going to get them the most points because it's going to be the craziest ride. And so they're, they're, in a way, just working with that animal and, you know, as a team to score the highest they possibly can. It's really cool. William says she appreciates the rodeo as a celebration of Western tradition. You know, rodeo started uh, with cattle ranchers working out, you know, out in the open plains and uh, figuring out how to work their cattle and, and doctor and take care of their cattle. And it's just kind of evolved into a sport that, is such a family affair and it keeps that western tradition alive and allows people to kind of go back to their roots and just in the the norwood and west end and telluride area there's a lot of ranching and farming um action in the area and it's so great every year to kind of pay homage to um you know rodeo cowboys and cowgirls and and the the reason that we all kind of settled in this area to begin with 
The San Miguel Basin Rodeo takes place on Friday, July 29th and Saturday, July 30th at the San Miguel County Fairgrounds in Norwood. Mutton busting starts at 6 p.m. nightly with the rodeo taking the stage at 7 p.m. Tickets are available at sanmiguelbasinrodeo.com. Like so many adventures, it all started with a post on Telluride Sweet Deals. In this case, for free doors. And I saw these doors as a beautiful blank canvas to work on. It was March 2020. Local artist Brooke Einbender was on the heels of her first Telluride art show when the novel coronavirus forced her and everyone to shelter in place. And really it was this thought that was circulating through my mind. Holy crap, we're isolated as a collective on a global scale, all behind closed doors. And these personal transformations going on, both dark and light in nature, we're all shifting global consciousness. Around the same time, another door closed for Einbender. A bad fall led to a severe concussion. She lost her job, and for five months, she says, she was forced to slow down. A personal pause within the larger global pause of the pandemic. But, she explains, that time also pushed her to pursue her passion of art making full time. And doors were still on her mind. Once I healed, I began collecting doors from the Telluride community through sweet deals, but also just through the grapevine of people talking and learning about what I'm interested and up to. Over the next two years, Einbender, who also goes by the name Mindbender Art, amassed about 100 doors from around the region of different shapes, sizes, and ages from the 1800s to modern times. Then she made them her own, painting, sawing, and drilling into them. I never have a vision of what the final piece will look like. And that's the exciting part for me. 10 of those reimagined doors are now on display in Mountain Village as part of a series Einbender is calling the Unknown Zone. Doors run along the town's boulevard trail that snakes from Mountain Village Boulevard and Highway 145 to the Plaza Core. Two doors are in front of Black Iron and near Reflection Plaza. What I'm excited about is with public art and bringing these works of fine art into the public realm outside a white box gallery, it invites everyone to, to engage and experience these doors in their own way. But Einbender is also weaving in a virtual component. Each door has a digital twin minted as a non-fungible token, or NFT, that also unlocks other components, such as behind-the-scenes footage of the creation of the door. For anyone confused about what an NFT is, Einbender says to think of it as a certificate of authenticity, a way to identify a piece of digital art as one of a kind. Some people want you know, a physical work of art to enjoy in their home. And they might not want the digital component, but others see the value of the digital and might not have room, you know, to collect something so large and physical. And so it's really interesting to see how this will all play out and almost like it's an experiment. Einbender has been interested in incorporating technology into art for a while 
including experimenting with projection mapping and virtual and augmented reality. That is a form of taking these tools and pushing the boundaries of creativity to bring new forms of magic, awe, and wonder into the world. The digital doors, though, don't launch until September. For now, anyone meandering through Mountain Village can enjoy the physical doors and whatever feelings they evoke. Whether it's opportunity or something you need to close in your life, because some doors are meant to stay closed and locked. Um, others are meant to be opened. For Einbender, the local installation may be a door opening into a much wider effort. Her long-term aim with the Unknown Zone is to collect and display doors on all seven continents. In the meantime, Brooke Einbender's doors will be on display in Mountain Village through September. This Tuesday, the Talking Gourds Poetry Club is back with their Bardic Trails online series. Each gathering features an award-winning guest poet, and this month it's Mitchell Unch. Unch is an emerging writer who lives and works in Los Angeles in the grocery industry. He is a two-time nominee for the Pushcart Prize and has work in several publications, including Beloit Poetry Journal, Poet Lore, North American Review, and Confrontation. Following a reading and Q&A, there will also be time afterwards for poetry sharing from attendees. For those who want, August's poetic prompt is ceremony. The Bardic Trails online meeting will be on Tuesday, August 2nd from 7 to 8.30 p.m. over Zoom. Registration is available at telluridelibrary.org. A little monsoonal rain can't keep the music away in Telluride. And this weekend, a number of musicians are leading the charge. On Friday, Annika Dean will play at 11 a.m. at the Telluride Farmer's Market. Victor Andrada will serenade Heritage Plaza and Mountain Village at 1 p.m. And the root-stomping Cousin Curtis will hit the music on the green stage at 5 p.m. Saturday sees Bentley Monk at Heritage Plaza at 1 p.m. For more information on local live music happenings, check out KOTO's live music calendar at koto.org. Colorado Parks and Wildlife is providing free admission for active duty military, veterans, and the National Guard to all state parks during the month of August. Both resident and non-resident military members and veterans can pick up a free August military pass at any Colorado State Park or CPW office by showing proof of service. Passes are available starting August 1st. Two Republicans who lost their primary races last month are raising unfounded claims of voter fraud and renewing their requests for recounts. Tina Peters lost her race for Secretary of State by more than 40,000 votes. She says she has raised the money she needs to pay for a recount. She wants it done by hand, but the Secretary of State's office says it can only do it with machines. State Representative Ron Hanks is also requesting a recount in his failed race for U.S. Senate. Both Peters and Hanks made unfounded election fraud claims central themes of their campaign. 
Peters was also arrested last week for violating her bond conditions ahead of her trial on charges she tampered with voting equipment. Mountain towns in Colorado have seen an influx of development in recent years. Much of it has been concentrated in luxury tourism or housing, which has driven up costs and pushed out many locals. The town of Rico has largely avoided that fate and is proud of it. But as KSJD and Rocky Mountain Community Radio's Lucas Brady Woods reports, a new land sale could change that. Skip Zeller has just pulled off Highway 145 and is standing next to his truck. He's north of Rico, Colorado, with a view of the town and the surrounding mountains. The elevation here, almost 9,000 feet. Rico, when I got here, and I use these terms very loosely, but it consisted of a bunch of hippies and a bunch of uh, retired miners. Zeller has lived in Rico for 40 years and is an organizer with the Rico Land Collaborative. To this day, the town has largely avoided the influx of real estate development that many mountain towns, like nearby Telluride, have already experienced. It's still a very small community. Less than 200 people live in Rico year-round, and it doesn't even have a sewer system. Rico is one of the few ex-mining towns that still maintains some sort of a reasonable amount of community. and, and We'd like to keep it that way. (laughs) But more than 1,100 acres of undeveloped mountainside are for sale, right across the valley from where Zeller is standing. Some of the real estate for sale also falls within Rico's town boundaries. And while the sale is raising some red flags, Zeller says there's not necessarily anything to be worried about. Development is inevitable, but we are all hoping that organizations who have gotten involved very much also want to work with this town and do what's best for the town. This isn't the first time there's been the possibility of real estate development around Rico, but so far, large-scale projects have never really taken off. Whatever happens this time, town manager Chauncey McCarthy says the town will be involved in the land's sale and anything that's built on it. There'll be heavy community uh, input on how the project moves forward. The biggest thing is, does town want to see a growth in that nature. There are no specific plans for the site at this point, and McCarthy says there are some major challenges to building on it. Could the town be able to supply water to all of these sites? And then there's limited access up there, and there's no infrastructure up there as well. But McCarthy also says development isn't inherently a bad thing. Market rate or luxury housing can definitely be a part of it, but so can other types of development that benefit a community like affordable housing or public spaces. McCarthy says potential conservation is also a significant consideration for the town. A few local conservation groups are already interested in working with the town and future property owners. Patrick Gardner runs the Trust for Public Land and says there are a lot of possibilities for conservation on land like this. It could be, you know, acquired by the town for open space. Um, some of it could be set aside for development, ideally affordable housing or some sort of development that's in line with, you know, the, the vision of the future of RICO. Some of it could have conservation easements on there, which would restrict development. Eric Saunders is the real estate agent representing the land. He's with Telluride Properties, which bills itself as Telluride's premier boutique real estate firm. Whoever buys the land will have to work with the interests of the town, but according to Saunders, development could bring major improvements. Development, you know, gets a bad gets a bad rap a lot of times, but if they do decide to develop in Rico, 
you're going to look and you're going to see uh, them probably provide a lot of public uh, benefit in the form of water, sewer, uh, some other public benefit, trail improvements, things like that. A slick real estate listing also says the land is a one-of-a-kind development opportunity and there is interest from potential buyers, some from as far away as China, Japan, and the United Kingdom. Saunders says he's already toured a few of them around the site. At the end of the day, though, the land sale is in its early stages and all parties say they are committed to collaborating with the town and the community of Rico. And for Skip Zeller, that's what's important. Whoever might attempt this development the very first thing should be that organization, that individual coming to the town at a town board meeting, presenting his or her or their plan and engaging the town. For now, residents, town management, conservationists, and realtors are on the same page. But if development does happen on the land one day, it would undoubtedly be a big change for the landscape around Rico. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Lucas Brady-Woods. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for showers and thunderstorms tonight with heavy rain at times. The low is around 55 degrees. Friday, there's a 90% chance of showers and thunderstorms with a high in the mid-60s and a low around 50 degrees. Saturday, expect showers and thunderstorms with a high in the mid-60s. Saturday night, there's a 50% chance of showers and thunderstorms with mostly cloudy skies and a low around 50 degrees. This has been the news for Thursday, July 28th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, personal commentaries. Hello there, Kodo listeners. It's Sarah Holbrook, the executive director of the Pinhead Institute. You know what Pinhead does. It brings STEM education to kids all around our region of rural southwestern Colorado. Do you know what our service area is? I'm going to tell you. It's Telluride, Ridgeway, Ure, Norwood, New Glenadarita, Paradox, Montrose, Olathe, and Dolores and Cortez. Well, now you know. Um, hey, I've got some science stories for you and then some cool pinhead happenings. First of all, you might have heard the rain going off this afternoon and some uh, crazy lightning. I think the gondola stopped here in Telluride for a little bit. We need the rain, folks. It's monsoon season, and we need it bad because guess what? The American West is in the worst drought to descend in 1,200 years. Yeah, that's a long time. Um, and when there's drought, there's forest fires, right? So over the last few years, we've lost 20% of the West Coast's giant sequoias. Now, you know giant sequoias. They're a close relative of redwoods. And they're the largest tree in the world by volume. They can live for more than 3,000 years and are found only on the western slopes of California's Sierra Nevada mountains. Now, if you've ever experienced a giant sequoia, you know um, that they have this cool, thick, kind of spongy bark. And that's actually adapted to fire. Um, it protects them from the flames and the heat um, that actually releases the seeds from their cones. So it allows young trees to take root in areas cleared by fires. But today's fires are much different from wildfires of the past. Um, and so now the Forest Service is starting a fast track effort to protect giant sequoias uh, by removing brush and smaller trees, not cheese, trees, and conducting prescribed burns. Um, so that's what's going to be happening uh, in the giant sequoia areas of the um, 
of the American West. So that's kind of exciting. A little bit closer to home. Pinhead is uh, just finishing up with the second to last punk science. We had uh, Megan Rommel making um, bouncy balls yesterday in the transfer warehouse here in Telluride and today down in Ridgeway in the town park there. Um, and next week, we're going to be using lemons for batteries, learning all about electricity, building circuits, and turning on the lights with a juicy lemon, if you can believe it. Isn't science so cool? Uh, next week also begins our beloved bridge camp, among other camps as well. Um, and we're super excited about all our collaborations with the AHA School and with Telluride Academy. And if you want to know more about what Pinhead is up to, check us out at www.pinheadinstitute.org. This is Sarah Holbrook signing off. I didn't make it all the way through school But my mama didn't raise any food I may not be the Einstein of our time But honey, I'm not dumb and I'm not blind This ain't my first rodeo This ain't the first time this old cowboy's been thrown This ain't the first I've seen this dog and pony show Honey this ain't my first rodeo This ain't my first rodeo This ain't the first time this old cowboy's been thrown This ain't the rodeo is July 29th and July 30th. That's a Friday and a Saturday night in Norwood at the San Miguel County Fairgrounds. This is Elizabeth Foley with the Norwood Roping Club inviting you to come on out to our rodeo. It's a Friday and a Saturday. We've got it starting. The rodeo action is at 6.30 with the mutton busting and the calf riding. And then the rodeo is at 7 with the Bronx and the bulls and the barrels and the roping and... Some trick riders from Cheyenne Frontier Days putting on the big show for the performance both Friday and Saturday. We also have the Junior Rodeo is Friday at 10 a.m. So that's July 29th. We have the Sean Moon Band. They're playing Saturday night after the rodeo. So that's the after party on Saturday at the fairgrounds. And you can check this all out. You can buy tickets Um in advance on the website and get some savings there. You can also get some merchandise that commemorates our rodeo or San Miguel County rodeo that started in 1905. So there's some cool t-shirts and great merchandise. That's all found at sanmiguelbasinrodeo.com. So go to sanmiguelbasinrodeo.com and check out everything that's going to happen on the 29th and the 30th. And we sure hope to see you at 6.30 p.m. for the mutton bust and the calf riding. And then seven for the rodeo. Yeehaw! Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.